0: Anybody get broken last week, amen? Yeah, just, uh, has it been better this week? Praise God, hallelujah. I love it, hallelujah. It's amazing what faith can do, isn't it? It's simply amazing what a heartfelt, faith-filled prayer can do. When Bev and I were courting many years ago, it's been almost 20 now, yeah, we're celebrating 20 here in a few few months, there was, I was in a rough patch in my life, and there was a song came on the radio that says, isn't it amazing what a prayer can do? Anybody ever heard that song? I forget the Arthur. Isn't it amazing what a prayer can do? Yeah, I'm not going to try to sing it, okay? But it, it I was reaping. I was driving. Ever had a song just touch you that way? You're driving down the road, and uh, man, that song just really ministered. The lyrics of it just really nailed the spot. And I had given up on uh, ever being married again. Actually, kind of. I'd, I'd arrived at that place. Sometimes that's a good place to be, isn't it? Uh, when it's just you and God, and I had spent a few months out in my uh, uh, house out there, and it was just saying, God, whatever, uh, over the holidays, whatever your will be for my life, I am, I am ready for that. And then lo and behold, he brought her into my life. Didn't he, Bev? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't it amazing <laughs> what a prayer can do? He, and uh, again, just such a blessing. In my life and I'm thankful that God did bring us together So man cycles back to that just going to hit a little bit on this and Then we're going to go into something totally different But I just want you to know there's God hears your prayers I said God hears your prayers And we need to uh, pray faith filled prayers Next weekend actually it's Labor Day weekend We're going to have five different uh, ones of our ministers Sharing about faith right here They'll have, you know, five or six, seven minutes here. But we're going to talk about faith in salvation, faith in healing, faith in the fullness of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, faith to fight against the enemy. And uh, the last one is faith to fight against the flesh. Do we need faith to conquer the flesh? Amen. So we're going to be looking at that next week. Praise God. Uh, as, as we look at cycles, though, uh, I don't know that I really brought this out quite as much as I wanted to last week, but they can cycles can become generational. They can be passed down one after another. Abuse in the home, manipulation, control, addictions, all kinds of, uh, of things. Uh, children will even sometimes, after they've left the home, try to uh, recreate that former unhealthy environment. Is that true? It, it's just what they know. It's the life that they've known, and I've seen this play out in ministry over and over again where, you know, again, they were in that environment, so they start setting up their family, and some of those same controlling, manipulating factors begin to uh, raise their ugly head there. So, you know, they say, there's some stats that say that 90% of all children who are abused will grow up children, uh, will grow up and abuse, here we go, will grow up and abuse their own children. That's sad, isn't it? very sad 90 percent that's staggering whether it's mentally physically psychologically whatever they will they will continue that pattern but i'm glad in the kingdom of god we're we're breaking out of that we broke some of that last week amen some rejection some fear some some things and and children's of alcohol children of alcoholics are four times as likely to become alcoholics terrible stats isn't it i'm glad for the power of jesus aren't you we need programs. We need dream challenges. Amen. We need teen challenges. We need Father's House. We need places where those addictions can be broken. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So last week we looked at a man that, that uh, he had a, a cycle going on in his life, didn't he? For 38 years, this man had laid there lame by the, the pool there at Bethesda, the porch, You know, that was known as a place of sickness. Jesus decided to make it a place of healing. (laughs) That's where all the sick, the lame, the halt, the blind, everybody went there and they begged for alms. Just making out a, a bare existence, you might say it. This man was stuck, and I put this, he was used to being lame. Can you get used to being something? being known by that label we talked about that even something last week about the blind bartimaeus he was used to being lame he had accepted it and it was a part of him it was who uh, who he was he was lame it was a the, the the pool there was a place of self-pity and Jesus made it a place of faith how many, how many of you know when Jesus walks into the room everything changes the song says that doesn't it When you walk into the room, everything changes. And we as God's people, we have the mind of Christ. We can have the mind of Christ, and we can see things change when we walk into the room. Amen? Was that same power given to us? Praise God. And we need to be walking, I believe, in that authority and that power. Jesus told him to take up his mat, didn't he? That mat identified him as something, didn't it? As someone you know it used it was a sign of what he used to be hopeless, helpless, and yet Jesus it was kind of his prison, we might say, Jesus transforms it and turned it around, and it became his testimony didn't it? He was no longer laying on it, he was carrying it. amen, it became a sign because here he is walking don't you imagine walking through town? Hey, what in the world's going on? this is the guy we saw down at the pool man he 's been there ever ever since I was a kid he's been laying there on this mat that mat became his testimony didn't it he's carrying it walking it hallelujah that's for somebody today hallelujah something that had you down here it's going to become your testimony amen hallelujah hallelujah I've seen so many set free over the years in in in, in all of my years of ministry I've seen them find their purpose and begin that newness of life. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 talks about that newness of life. That you might walk in newness of life. How many are walking in newness of life today? Because of Jesus Christ. So anyway we looked at that some last week. And uh, I, I, you know I, I kind of was thinking this week about it. I wish we knew the rest of the story of this, of this man. I wish I knew what he did. Did he? Did he live for God? Did he have a family? Did he go into ministry? What happened and, and of course we don 't we don't know the gospel is not clear what what he did after that encounter with Christ, but we 're going to look today at someone else who I know quite a bit about his story he 's one of the greatest men in the Bible, I believe he 's mentioned one thousand times in the Bible. God sought him out, and he sought God out. It was a reciprocal relationship is that the way it should be I mean you know a relationship can grow old if it's not a two-way street I talk you listen you talk I listen back and forth we grow don't we and so it was a reciprocal relationship he sought out God God sought him out and used him uh, mightily haven't given you his name yet it was no accident that Jesus wasn't known as the son of Abraham or the son of Adam In his lineage, but he was known as the son of David. Everybody say David. I believe it's 80 times in the Bible he's referred to as the son of David. And I I love the, the character David. Acts chapter 13, verse number 22. I'm not sure if I gave her that scripture back there or not, but it says that he was a man that pursued after God, after the heart of God, and God blessed his life richly. So today, we're going to look at some of the seasons of David's life. Number one, and this may be a pattern in your own life. It may not be. You may skip some of these seeding seasons, but the first season we're going to look at in David's life is when he was just a boy, and we're going to call it the shadow phase. 1 Samuel chapter 16 begins the story of his life. Samuel, the prophet of God, the man of God for the hour, is looking for a king to raise up to rule over Israel. Saul has messed up, hadn't he? The evil spirit has taken over him. And so uh, even though Saul is still the king, Samuel is out looking for the right one. And God told him to go to the house of Jesse. And there you're going to find the king that I want to be the king over all of israel so in chapter 16 we read that he goes there and god kind of gives him some uh, a preclude to what he's looking for he says don't look at his outward appearance right look at what his heart for god sees sees not as man sees we see the outward don't we but god looks on this heart and so he goes there to jesse's house and he says hey i'm God has sent me here he He had to kind of go in disguise because he was you know neighbors talk don't they what's what's the man of God doing here in the in jesse's house so he went there as to offer up a sacrifice supposedly offer up a a sacrifice to God, but he's really searching out the king so we're going to find that david's anointing first of all was a private anointing wasn't it It was just just family and just the ones gathered there in that household but he he goes there and of course. He asked, you know, do you have some sons? Yeah, i got seven of them. You know, seven, well, eight, actually, eight different sons. So he says, okay, bring them in here. So he brought in Abinadab. He brings in Shammah. And it's not him, and, you know, five more trot in. One, two, three, four, five. And uh, Samuel, you know, is trying to get the mind of God here, you know. Have I missed it? Have I missed it, God? Uh, But no, he hadn't. he said, is this all of your sons? Is Is this all of them? And, uh. Jesse says, well, I got one more. I got one more. He's he's just a nobody. He didn't really say that. But he said he's out, you know, he's just a run of a lad. He's out tending the sheep. He was a nobody. He was living in the shadows at that particular time, a nobody that nobody really noticed. He wasn't even uh, apparently counted worthy to even come in because this was a big Big deal. I mean, here's the man of God in your house looking for the king to anoint over Israel, and yet Jesse didn't consider him uh, priority enough to even bring him in. So he's kind of living in the shadow phases, but you, you know, you may be here today and you're in the shadow phase, but I want to tell you today that deep lessons are being learned in humble places. Amen. As, you, as I look back over my life, there was a lot of uh, things that God was doing in my life in this shadow phase. When I was in the, in the shadows, I served under nine different pastors as associate, youth pastor, choir director, bus minister, all of these tags, right? Got the T-shirt on all of that stuff. And uh, so serving in the shadows, and it was I was happy there at that particular season in my life. I was happy, I was growing, and I was learning some things that have helped me immensely later on when we, uh, in 1988, moved into senior pastor position in Hobbs, New Mexico. But it was some 15, 17 years of serving in the in the shadows. But, I mean, you oh, know, greatness is being groomed in the shadows. Hallelujah. Greatness is being groomed. Groomed and great lessons are being uh, learned there. So I want us to, to read in the text today, and we're going to look at this uh, just for a minute in First Samuel sixteen verse eleven. As Samuel said unto Jesse, "Are here all your children?" He said, "There he remains yet the youngest. Behold, he—you he, know—he's taking care of the sheep." And Samuel said unto Jesse, "Send and fetch him." I like that. Anybody like that word "fetch"? <laughs> That's a power word, isn't it? go fetch him <laughs> for we will not sit down till he comes here and he sent and brought him in now he was ruddy and what that means kind of a red he was probably redheaded right he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to all you ladies go <whistles> <laughs> hubba hubba whatever you want to do he was a nice looking nice looking fella here why would you leave him off out there uh, you, know, probably, you know, usually the youngest son got the, the lowest jobs, right? They probably didn't have servants back then, maybe too poor to have servants. So the youngest one got the, the lowliest jobs. And then, you know, as you, the older ones, as they moved up, they got some of the more important jobs. So he went and, bes- and brought him in, or he sent and brought him in. Now he was, okay, ready, goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. For this is he. Of all the eight other sons that Jesse had, it was this little nobody living in the shadows, off out taking care of the sheep. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Are you getting this? The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Okay, so we're seeing him here in the shadow phase. Now we're going to look and see in this particular anointing here, he's going to move into the calling phase. After the anointing, there was a fresh awareness of God and the call of God on David's life. Do you believe that? He was anointed. You know, when we anoint someone, uh, it, it's kind of something that we use, we, we've done it here when we just anointed. Uh, I guess we had four, but only three were here. One was in the hospital, but we anointed three young men and women here just, what, a month ago or so and sent them out into to ministry. So it's, it's kind of used to set apart for God's service. It's also a sign of granting authority and power to do something. I believe God anointed David. He chose him. He used Samuel the prophet. He sent him there to to pour the anointing. You know, David's still dripping with the oil of the anointing. Hallelujah. Anybody ever walked in the anointing of God? Should be every day, right? We should be walking in that anointing. I did a series several years ago on walking in the anointing of God. When you invite Christ into your Life, you are called, you're appointed, you're anointed, amen? To do great things for God. I can't do what you can do, you can't do what I can do, but we can together do something for God, can't we? So here he is dripping with the oil of the anointing. And and he's you know, you may still be in this season of his life. He's still known as Jesse's youngest, the shepherd boy, but God was doing something to him on the inside. He was preparing David for the next Phase. He knew there was going to be some giants and some things that would come. And sure enough, we find in the very next chapter here, uh, down in the valley of Elah, we're going to see David come into his own. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, and I remember this phase in my life trying to figure things out. I knew that God had called me because He spoke it into my heart. He confirmed it uh, by a word around the altar through a person that operated in the in the word of knowledge in the word of wisdom how I many believe that's still relevant to churches today amen has god ever used someone to confirm something in your life amen amen should be operating all the time in the gifts of the spirit right we should be you know when we walk in here today every one of you should have said lord whatever you, if you want to use me in a word of knowledge or a word of healing or a word of faith or miracles i'm available to be used right Giving me that cow look now, preacher. That's asking a lot. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Amen. It shouldn't be. You should be a vessel to be used by God. But this person, uh, you know, uh, confirmed what God had already spoken into my life. I'm only 17 uh, years old. I was still kind of questioning, "Where am I supposed to be? What do you want me to do?" And, and yet, some doors begin to open. I, I God had blessed me with some musical skills and. We began, me and another friend uh, or two, there was a revival in our youth group, and we, uh, we we put a camper on the back of a pickup bed and made it into a trailer. Are you with me? And we would uh, go out all around Hollis, Oklahoma, within a 100-mile radius. I've preached in Sentinel. I've preached in Lone Grove. I've preached in Altus. I've preached in Blair, Childress, Wellington, Granite, on and on, just doing what we could to share Jesus with people. We'd call preachers up and say, hey, uh, we'd like to come and preach for you. And they'd say, Come on. And we'd go over on a Saturday and knock doors around these little towns, hand out flyers. I think our group was called the Jubilaires. <laughs> what a what a name, right? The gospel singing Jubilaires are in town and want you to come, you know, type thing. So we're out knocking doors. Then we'd have a church service. So I began to get some experience. Is experience important? Amen. Singing and preaching and doing what god had called me to do and then god began of course to open up some other doors i'm not going to give you the whole history of my ministry because we'd be here a while (laughs) all right but it's in this phase when you're making uh, your calling and election sure amen i wanted that confirmed in my spirit and god did that over and over in my life you know i knew there was something shut up in my bones i knew the call of god was on my life and i Actually I remember reading Jeremiah. Remember him? Uh, Jeremiah chapter twenty, verse number nine says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. There were seasons in my life when I want, you know, I would question, Are you sure about this, God? And yet again, that fire. How many know what I'm talking about? That fire was there on the inside that would not allow me to quit. How many know quitters never win, do they? And winners never quit. Praise God. So it's in this phase when you're when God has called you that sometimes the enemy is, is is coming against you with everything that he can to take you out because he knows if he can stop you here earlier, it's gonna be easier. You know, the more you get into the Word of God, the harder it should be for the enemy to stop you. Right? The more you get into the Word of God. You know, I've read of preachers and different ones getting out of ministry after years, and I'm like, hmm, wonder what happened there. You know, were they not preaching the full counsel of the Word of God, or were they just uh, doing it for some other reason besides, you know, when I read the Word of God, it, it hits me hard before it hits you. Amen? And I read it, and I study it to show myself approved, Unto God, and it begins to work and rise up in my spirit. So uh, eventually, David, back to David, David will eventually perceive what God is trying to do through him. And he, eventually, there's a scripture actually that says that, and we've preached on that not too long ago. David perceived in his heart that God had made him the king, it became a revelation, a rhema word down in his spirit. So we move from the calling phase into the formation phase. And that's God is developing the heart and the skills in your life, I believe, for the next season. Let's read verses 18 through 23 here of 1 Samuel uh, 16. God is using him here in a strange way, actually, to minister to the king, Saul. All right? Do we have that in our. we don't have that. I didn't give that to you. So here, I'll read it. I just happen to have it right here. <laughs> First Samuel sixteen uh, verses eighteen through twenty three. And then answered one of the servants, said, "Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehem, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person, and the Lord is with him." Ooh, that's that's good credentials, isn't it? Nice looking, the Lord's with him, he's a man of war, he's prudent in manners. They're looking for someone to come and minister to Saul. I didn't read all the verses before this for time's sake, but they're looking for someone to minister to Saul, and he said, I've heard about this guy. I've heard about this guy, David. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David your son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul and David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer even got promotion there under Saul the one that now you know this is a little weird isn't it David already knew he'd been anointed in the earlier verses of this chapter that he was going to be the king but he here he is serving the king of Israel Now, so it's kind of a weird, uh, word, weird relationship there. Verse twenty-two, and Saul sent to Jesse, saying, "Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight." And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played with his hand, and Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Some powerful stuff. Right there. Saul has turned his back on God. He's rejected God. He's become disobedient to God. And God has sent David there uh, for a reason, I believe. He's learning some lessons about being a king, right? He can, I mean, you know, even in a bad situation, you can learn what not to do again, right? He's learning what to do, how to run a kingdom. He's, God's got him right there. He's, you know, for a reason. Sometimes we don't know the reason at that moment, do we? when we're in a particular situation. But here he is, serving under this uh, wicked king, and yet God is using him to minister unto him as he plays. How I mean, you know, David learned some things in the second, maybe even the first phase of his life. He learned how to play music. And he learned how to sling a slingshot. You know, when you're out there with the sheep, you have a lot of time, don't you? <laughs> just to practice, to sing. I mean, sheep are just out there chomp, chomp, you know, eating grass or whatever sheep do. And David's just making sure, you know, looking after them and, and taking care of them, watching over them. But at the same time, he's got time to learn some things. So some of the things that he learned there, he's already using in this third phase of his life as God is forming him and molding him. Into a candidate worthy of ministry. And I want to say this today under point number three learning to minister to troubled hearts is part of the preparation process. Amen? You that have been in ministry, you understand this. There's a lot of troubled people, there's a lot of hurting people out there. And I remember in my own formative years of ministry, just the pastor would send the associate. <laughs> to go and take care of some of these situations, right? Hey, why don't you go over there and check on sister so-and-so, And you, but you learn a lot. You know, here I am, the youth pastor, and I think I've told you before, I was doing, at one time, up to four nursing home <laughs> services a year. Youth pastor, old folks home. Youth pastor, but God groomed me there, amen? He, <laughs> he groomed me there, and I can look back at that now, and I... I cherish, I literally do, and I say that with everything within me, I loved those old people. I called them, I'd come in and say, y'all ready to have youth service today? And boy, they'd get all, you know, uh, spiked up and and ready to go, and here I'm preaching along, you know, and over the PA, we need a bedpan down in room 16, (laughs) you know, okay. I learned to focus, right? I learned to focus, because here we are, you know, right in the middle of preaching and Here's the PA system right here blaring this, this out, but uh, learning to minister to troubled hearts. That's what ministry is. That's 101, isn't it? Learning to help those that have no way of helping you. Isn't that real ministry? And You've heard me say this. Real ministry occurs when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. That is real ministry right there. When no one can help you. They didn't have anything to give back. But you know they did. They did. When I left there. They'd line up. Shake my hand. And say oh that was just the best sermon. Brother David I ever heard. Just, just building my faith up. They appreciated a young man coming and singing and, and ministering to them. So David's in those formative years. You know and I love watching. In my older age, what God can make out of a willing and obedient heart. I'm watching some of these young ministers, just watching God create them, mold them. New ministries being birthed, outreach, just all kinds of things. And 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 I just want to jump on the bandwagon, you know, and yell and scream and cheer and go get them, go get them, you know. Praise God, and I'm so proud of our young ministers, men and women, that God is using here in this church. Hallelujah! You know He's He's gaining some experience by watching. I mentioned this earlier, by watching Saul's administration. He's learning what to do and not to do. And here's something else I wrote down as I contemplated this yesterday. Saul's unrepentant heart must have had an impression on David. He saw the heart of Saul, and he says, I don't want to be like that guy. So we read in Psalms 32, verse number 5. I believe it. I, yeah, I gave you that one. I acknowledge my sin unto you, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David learned repentance there, didn't he? It's another thing he learned. Not only how to run a kingdom, but he learned how to be honest with God. And that's the reason I believe in Acts 13 we find that God saying, He was a man after my own heart. David did some things, didn't he? We find later in his life. It's not in these two chapters that we're looking at today, but later on. You know, we know the story of Uriah and Bathsheba and the whole account. I'm not going to go in that today, but he learned repentance there in this formative stage of, of his ministry. He learned to, to ask God for his help and to forgive him when he had messed up. Number four, we're moving along here. The testing phase. There will always be these, won't they? Anybody been tested here? <laughs> oh, man, preacher. If you only knew. If you only knew. Got some bruises from yesterday. No, I'm, I'm messing with you. All right, there will be a testing phase. His test is going to be a big giant named Goliath. A big giant. Some people will say 10 feet tall. Others, 13 feet tall. Can you see the top of my hand here? That's probably, that's two and a half feet. Yeah, that's probably close to how tall he was. Can you imagine, I mean, Brother John's a big man back there, but you look like a wimp besides him, <laughs> brother, brother. Brother John. <laughs> Ten to thirteen feet tall, and it lists in this chapter all of the, the, the coat, of all the weight that he's carrying, like two or three hundred pounds of just armament and all kinds of stuff. It was a big, it was a big test, wasn't it? Punch your neighbor and say a big test. (laughs) Big test. For 40 days, Goliath had been going out taunting all the well-trained soldiers of Israel. They had been out there. You know, here's the Philistines on one side of this uh, uh, valley, and here's the Israelites on the other. For 40 days, he'd come out and roar. Send me a man! Come out and fight! You know, on and on. So the little... Nobody living in the shadows. he had come back from his his assignment there with Saul, back to his father's house there with Jesse. And Jesse said, I need you to go down, run some errands for me and check on the boys down there. Take them some cheese and some cakes and different things. Check on them and see how the battle's going. Little did David know at that moment that this was going to be the biggest test of his life. But do we remember what? Happened in the chapter before. What happened to him? The Spirit of the Lord came up on him from that day forward. I mean, you know, when the Spirit of the Lord comes up on you, you see things differently. And he got there and he saw things differently. And he even asked them. You know, they come out and and say, uh, "I did a sermon back in 2020. I wrote it in the notes of my uh, Bible here." Uh, Come see the giant. Everybody was focused on the giant, weren't they? How big he was. Come see the giant. One of them, forget which verse it is here in this text, but he gets there. That's the first thing they, I and mean, you know the devil's that way. He wants you to see the giant, the test. See how big it is. And everybody else was looking at how big the giant was. Come see the giant. Look at him. Oh, my goodness. And David you know he finds out that the king's wanting someone to go out and fight against this giant of a man, and he said, "Hey, no problem. We'll take care of it. Really." You know his brothers. His brothers, of course, are like, uh, you know, quit, quit your mouthing. Get back home to taking care of those few little sheep and get on out of here. Get on back home. But he's told another one and another one. Before long, it got to King Saul. There's a kid. From the, <laughs> A young fella, hallelujah, that says he wants to go out and fight the giant. And, uh, and so King Saul goes, hmm, we don't have anybody else. What have we got to lose, right? And David had already begun to develop faith in his life, hadn't he? A lion came against him once. And a bear came against him one time. And he called upon God. And he slew them like they were nothing. Amen. Anybody ever faced a lion? Yeah, go ahead. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, fear will try to rise up in this phase. Doubt, fear. The enemy will bring every little thing he can to test you during this season and this phase of your life. It will be magnified. And, of course everybody else is saying all the obstacles all the, the things that say you can't do this are being presented to him but David had a word from God didn't he he said is there not a cause here this guy has defied our God he has made all the, these remarks against the God of Israel is there not a cause here it's not about me and me being able to whip the giant he's defied the living God and somebody's got a put him down amen somebody's got to put him down and put him in his place and he said I'll be that guy I'll be that guy so let's read here in 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 chapter 17 verse 32 what David said to the Saul David said to Saul let no man's heart fail you because of him I'll go out and fight this Philistine and Saul said to David you're just you're not able to go against this Philistine to, to fight with him. For you're but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Again, even the king is describing the obstacles, right? He's describing how big the giant is. You're just a kid. This guy's a man of war. he ripped rip you to shreds. David said unto Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and I smote him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and I smote him, and I killed him. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. How many have read this story before, (laughs) at least once or twice? Here we are today. Looking at it in a different light today. The testing, the testing phase. Is faith alive in David's spirit? Is he speaking the word of God? Amen. It, there's a cause here. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, and I, and as I think about this and all the stuff, all the negative stuff that's going on, you know, the enemy is roar, trying to roar something in your ear today, perhaps. He's trying to share with you all the the adversity, all the circumstances, all the reasons, it won't work, it won't blah blah. All that junk. He's trying to whisper in your ear. But the man of God or the woman of God has got to stand up. If you've been saved and and baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's power on the inside of you. Bigger than any giant, any test that you're facing. Hallelujah. Praise God. So he's, you know, it's you know, it's it's one thing though to talk. And then another thing to walk. David talks to the king. I'm willing to go. Faith is rising up inside of me. But then all of a sudden, it's time for the battle. We never read once in this account that there was any fear in David at all, is there? I don't see one spot in this place. Now the king, you know, tried to uh, you know, put his equipment on him. And how I many you know it's and this may be under the next phase where I Say this, I believe it is. Yeah, he, David used the gifts that he was already familiar with. He had already been groomed with these gifts. Here's sometimes sometimes people are trying to put something on you to do it. Th- you need to do it this way. You need to try this. You need to you do it the way God tells you to do it. Amen. Is this a word for somebody today? Don't don't you know use something that use something that God has already blessed you with and anointed you for rather than trying to do it the way this this preacher does it this way this evangelist does it uh, you be you amen do what God's called you to do hear from God first amen and then do it the way he said to do it and don't let anybody else influence you amen to try something different that'll ooh, shout me down somebody hallelujah it's one thing to talk though as I said it's a, where the rubber meets the road though is when you walk it out and David walked out he took all the extra junk off all the stuff of unfamiliarity all the things that he had not proven that'll preach you gotta prove some of the things you're using Amen. he hadn't proven those things but he knew what worked for him he took a staff and a slingshot and five smooth stones I don't know Why he took four more than what he needed, but maybe he thought Goliath had some brothers. (laughs) I I, I don't know. Just in case, it's it's good to have a little extra, isn't it? Praise God, a little extra anointing with him. But we move from the testing phase into the bold step phase. Hallelujah. This is the one that'll jerk the kinks right out of your rope, right here. (laughs) I'm telling you. It's where you find out. It's where you find out who you are. Really are. You start walking towards the giants. He's still spouting his stuff. He's still mouthing. Am I a dog that you send this runt out here to fight me? What do you think? I'll rip him to shreds. Let's see what David did. David talked a little trash too. He talked a little faith, didn't he? Let's look in verse uh, 45 through 47. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. I will smite you. I'll take your head off from you. I'll give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day and to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all... The earth will know, Woo! there is a God in Israel. Amen. Hallelujah. And all this assembly will know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. That's for somebody. Not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Ooh, grab that. The battle is the Lord's. Say it with me. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Quit trying to fight it in yourself. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's using the gifts that he's already used. He's making this bold declaration of faith. And I want to say this. uh, Be quick. Be quick to believe God. Be quick to believe God, to look past all the junk, all the talk, all the clatter, whatever it is that's going on in your in your world, be quick to believe, thus saith God. I said it once earlier, but stand on God's word. Hallelujah. David, quote, walked out what he already knew about God. He walked it out here, didn't he? He walked out. Isn't that what it is? Just walking out. You know, I don't I, God's given me a lot of revelation over the years, but he continues to give more. But I'm walking in the revelation that I have today. Amen. I know who I am in Christ. I know the power that I have because of Christ in my life. So I'm going to preach and teach what I already know. So he walked it out. Praise God. Hallelujah. He spoke it and then he acted on it. Hallelujah. He believed God to be Bigger. Everybody else was looking at the size of Goliath. David was looking at the size of God. Hallelujah. He was, my God is bigger. Hallelujah. He's more powerful. You're nothing in his sight. Praise God. So, lastly, a bold step phase. This is where, again, you step into the action, don't you? Hallelujah. I want us to stand today. We're winding this airplane down here. Smith Wigglesworth. As you're standing today, many of you have heard of him, said this. No man looks at appearances if he really believes God. Let that settle in for a minute. Is that faith? Smith Wigglesworth. No man looks at appearances if he really believes God. We should not even be looking. At, at, at Goliath or at that situation, right? Where, where should our focus be? On God. The battle is the Lord's church. The battle is the Lord. Receive that now into your spirit. Lord, thank you. I praise you today, Lord, as we've looked at the life of David, a man after your own heart. There in the kingdom with you now, Lord. Made his mistakes in life, but. Always had that repentant heart to you. Always acknowledged you, and you used him mightily as the king of Israel. Lord, you again. Your word is full of the accounts of his life. God, I thank you for his testimony, for his uh, this account of his life, just in these two chapters today. Lord, as we walk through these phases in our life, from from being just uh, in the shadows to being called, going through the testing and the and then making that bold step of faith. Lord, it's not by accident someone's here today, Lord, to hear, this, to hear this message. Some of them may be stuck in one of these phases. They may know there's a call upon their life. and And yet the enemy is trying to come against them to cause them to question. Lord, I pray today that they move into the spirit realm even more so. I pray, Lord God, that they lift up their eyes unto the hills. From whence comes their help, Lord, it's going to come from you. Don't look at the situation. Don't look at the negativity. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. God, that they move on and begin to move towards that bold step of faith, Lord. Maybe there's someone here today being tested. Lord God, I pray that we know that test produces character. It produces so many great things in our life. God, I pray for them today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just want to ask you today, you're here today, and you know there's a call upon your life, and and yet you know the enemy has tried to dissuade, tried to discourage or hinder you in some way. If that's you today, would you slip your hand up today? The enemy has been trying to come against me, yes. He's brought on his attacks, and uh, I'm fighting him. I'm doing battle against him, yes, two or three Different hands today, yes. Or maybe you're here today and you're being tested. You're being tried in the fire. There, there's a giant that seems formidable in front of you today, and you bind an up, upraised hands, said, "I want to whip the giant. I want to put the giant down." Yes, yes, yes. Several hands there. The giant is roaring. He's roaring and he's making his noise. God, give me strength to, to roar back, and not only roar back, but allow you to defeat this giant. I'm going to step aside. I'm going to release it to you and watch you move in this situation, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe there's someone here today needing to just let it go. Let it go. Give it to God. Amen. Just let it go. Hallelujah. You've wrestled with it and you've struggled with it. We preached a few weeks ago on the struggles of life. Let it go. Give it to God. And watch God work. Hallelujah. Watch God. God work in this situation, Hallelujah! Several hands raised today. Sheila's going to sing this song right now, and as she does, I pray that something today that we said will resonate in your spirit, will rise up in you, and you'll. And if you need prayer today, also as she's singing, I invite you to come. I'll get in agreement with you. One of our ministry team will get in agreement with you. Whatever it is, the enemy. Is trying to bombard you with whatever season you're in in your life. God's wanting to develop you and grow you into a mighty man and a mighty woman of God. I believe it. It's not just hype, it's true. God is raising up warriors and giants right here in this church today. So, Sheila, sing this song. Hallelujah.
1: smile. My- Every more-
0: Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For the seasons of life, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I think the Holy Spirit's wanting to use somebody here today, so just step on out. Step on out. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ourself ourselves to you, Lord. Here we are, standing in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We wait for you. We wait for you. Hallelujah. We wait for you. Hallelujah. We wait for you. Stay in your will, Lord. Stay in your will. Hallelujah. Be used of God. Be used of God today. Hallelujah. Wait for you. Wait for you. Thank you, Jesus. Here we are, standing in your presence, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, praise God, he has a heart for you guys right here, he wants to pray for. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. Isn't this awesome? Whoa, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Brother James, for being obedient. I love it when the Holy Spirit just uses whomsoever. He did not know this couple, amen? Just uh, used of God, used of God. Great word of confirmation, amen? Praise God. Anybody else today? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! We feel like you've been to church. Amen. Hallelujah! Good. Amen. We don't live by feelings, but boy, they sure help, don't they? Hallelujah! We live by faith. Praise God! Praise God! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. David was a man who pursued after you, God. I pray that that's what we glean from this service today, Lord. Through all the seasons of life. I want to pursue you. I want to know you more. I want to get closer to you, God. You said, come close to me, and I'll get close to you. I'll get right in the middle of you, and I'll use you. Lord, thank you that men and women are being used here at the house, Lord, every day. We go out from here. It's not just a bless me club where we come together and bless one another, Lord, but we go out of here and we make a difference in people's lives, Lord the broken, the hurting, the lost, the addicted. Lord, we, we, we are in touch with you. We are mindful to the Spirit. We are led of the Spirit, even as you were led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Sometimes we go through the wilderness. Sometimes we, it's a time of preparation. Sometimes it's a season that we don't enjoy, Father God, but we're going to keep pursuing after you with everything within us, through the testing phase, through all, all of it. Then we make a bold step faith and God you we watch you perform what you do what you said you would do and what you confirmed in our spirit. Thank you Lord thank you Lord for men and women with a heart for God. I say it again thank you for men and women with a heart for God Lord passionate about you and the things of God. Amen God bless you glad you were here today.